Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Honestly, it's been a blast. My daughter, like I said, Kansas kind of never left me and it's kind of odd. My daughter was even born on 420. I think it's becoming a common term, but she was a green baby. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome. I am Joyce Gerber, and this is the Cannamom Show. I hope everyone had a good week. Before I begin to introduce our guest, I just wanted to mention that CNN, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, is continuing with his series of Cannabis and Healing on Sunday, December 19th. Where he will be talking about cannabis and autism, Dave. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. I need to tune into that. Yes, <laughs> my son has autism. For listeners that might not know, he's twenty-three and he's wonderful, but uh, he's never tried cannabis. I can tell you, I'll be interested to hear what the findings are. So I, again, our endocannabinoid system seems to have an impact on a lot of our systems, and autism is still sort of a bit of a mystery, I think. And we understand it works with epilepsy. We understand that seizures seem to be controlled by this. We don't really know the autism. I I don't know that much about this, but I'm interested to hear what he talks about because again, crushing the stigma by sharing these stories, the doctors who think that kids are smoking it, please go away. (laughs) It just... There's a lot of other ways to get cannabis cannabinoids into your system and if it can help with a different medical condition for your child, I think people should be open to this. Right, Dave? I am. Yeah. I mean, like you say, autism is mysterious and 
most of the kind of wacky solutions that have been presented to date or theories such as the vaccine theory that vaccines cause autism they've been they've fallen by the wayside as as pretty much bs the, the uh, autism comes in a lot of different forms and so it might be i want to know i mean it might be something that'll leave some of the sort of anxiety around autism because my son has taken anti-anxiety meds in the past that have helped and this might be similar deal Oh, I could see how that would work. Anti-anxiety, mm. absolutely interesting. Well, I'm excited to hear it. So that's one topic. But now on a totally different topic. <laughs> so there's a dispensary in Norwood, Massachusetts, Dave. All right, right next door to me. Love it. Mary Med. They have the world's biggest pot brownie. It sounds dangerous, but okay. Apparently <laughs> it's got 20,000 20, milligrams, is that right, of mm. THC. I don't know. You can look that up. So okay. it's apparently today's pot brownie day. I did not know that. Oh. And Massachusetts, we have the world's biggest pop brownie. Good for us. Okay. I mean, I take it you don't eat the whole thing in one sitting? I don't know. Like, it's like three feet by three. I don't know. You can look it up. Oh, it's they like just- a real, like, oh, I thought you meant just like the way they sell them. But this is, they've created this as a novelty. It's this huge. Okay. Yeah, like the world's so, biggest pizza. You got know what it. They do? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, so that's funny. Publicity. That's funny. Okay. So you can check it out on your ride home. Yep. <laughs> I won't be able to miss it. I mean, you can see it from space, I'm told. So, yeah. Okay. And then before we begin, we do have a special segment guest today, our friend Beryl Solomon, founder of Poplar, your modern drugstore. She's going to be here to talk a little bit about her experience building, merchandising, marketing, and operating her lifestyle brand. So stay tuned. All right. So Dave's still thinking about the pop brownie. We're going to go on to today's guest. All right, Dave. So we have another guy here. Another. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. What's going on with me? I'm missing my mission. I support it. This is just, this is, this qualifies as diversity for you having a male on every now and again. Every now and again. Okay. So today we have Akana Dad. Yep. We're diversifying our stories with men. Today's guest introduces himself as a citizen scientist from the North Coast of Oregon, a caregiver, and a steward of the plant. He's here today to talk about farming and cannabis because these topics are very important and very connected. His motto is healthy soil, healthy food, healthy people. And he's here to share his insights into what it means to be a Canadad with all those um, great ideas. Please welcome Matt Ryan of, I think he called it Gnarly Roots. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yes, it is Gnarly Roots. It's been kind of a name I've carried since right after I think everybody made the change from the forum days on to kind of like Instagram, I was like trying to find a way to kind of rebrand myself. And that's what I used. And it's kind of stuck. All right. So I know you had some military experience. I'm going to get to that next, but let's, can we just talk about your, just what were your formative years with cannabis? Did you grow up with it? What was your relationship with cannabis before you went into the military and the next part of your story? So growing up in the Northwest, it was kind of interesting. Cannabis has kind of always been, at least at my age, I'm, I'm, 29 going on 30. It's it's kind of always been in the background, like my friends, uh, like family. Like, I guess one thing I like to say is like a mortgage garden was a joke, kind of like where, 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 where I grew up. It wasn't uncommon for somebody's dad to have a small garden that paid for the house and paid for everything because the medical laws kind of allowed this. So it it, it was always around with friends, family. My mom actually um, was not so much... I used to say she was against it, but like as I look back, her husband growing up smoked you know, cannabis the whole time, and 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 
and she's always been some of some what of a you know, herbalist herself. So she she really kind of understood what was happening. I think it was more so just from my mom's side. It was it was I would kind of argue maybe the fact that people relied on it too much is what kind mm-hmm. of like frustrated her. But you had, um, but, but it was, a, but it was around. It was just a thing. Like everywhere, you know, stepdad, friends. You know, like growing up, I was seen it. Did, did you have deer? Did you have deer out there when you were? Are you too young for that? Are you? Uh, are you past the deer era? No, no, no we didn't have deer. <laughs> I actually remember. It's kind of funny because there's one, like there's always one line from the deer from from one of the deer like conferences that they made us go to during school. one of these one of these like officers or I think he was a sheriff or something that was like supposed to be like the deer rep. For some reason, it stuck in my head. His, his like huge thing was when humans smoke cannabis, there's a delayed response to pain and such. And, and his, his example was like, if you were to turn on the burner and put your hand on the burner, you wouldn't feel it for a while and you would burn your hand worse. And that always like stuck with me as a kid. Cause I was like, I don't see people getting high and putting, you know, their hands on burners. And, and it always kind of like, I was like, you know, this is so weird. And even to this day, like I think back and that's like, all I could remember is just like sheriff trying to say, you're going to get high and put your hand on a burner and not feel it. And I was like, what? what? I'm sure, I'm sure his entire message, I'm sure that was not the takeaway he thought you would take, no, but that's totally. interesting because you were, again, I, I talked to women in the industry who talk about how they're, a lot of them were like head of their dare programs. Like this is the funniest part. That now they're in cannabis, but they grew up in this era and they really believe what they were being told. And they often had a relative who was consuming it for whatever reason. And maybe they had the same idea as your mother. Maybe they thought they were over, whatever they thought. They were like a little bit against it, a little bit afraid because of Mm -hmm. what they were being told in school. And then they thought they would be the good girls and be part of this program. And now they're in the industry. A lot of these things just backfired, I think. (laughs) No, totally. It's, It's actually hilarious the way that you kind of like say that because my mom wasn't totally against it but she still kind of was like hey like maybe we shouldn't be doing this type thing but now it's become legal and she started to maybe loosen the fear and and really like understand the plant more she's become one of my largest advocates and then also like one like locally like like we live in an Oregon I mean she's she's always trying to you know uh, like teach like somebody now about so um, it's always about the, it's always about it. the moms it's always yeah, about it, the moms it, it really is it's incredible <laughs> like I thought Even I was with doing the dad. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, all right. So that's sort of the, your foundation of this. And then you go into the military. So when you went into the military uh, around, what was it, 2011? Yeah, it was the beginning of uh, two of uh, 2011 is when I went to boot camp. Okay. So uh, so then what was basic happening? Basic training, that, sorry. Yeah, basic <laughs> training. So like, were you like off cannabis is not thing that's not part of your lifestyle anymore or what happened? No. What's kind of funny is I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I consumed, I really, myself, I guess I should start explaining where I, you know, I first started consuming was around, I'd say like 15 ish. Personally, I tried it randomly. And then really about 17, 18 is when I was like really kind of consuming. But one thing I do, like even now, like I look back and I know it was kind of like an ebb and flow and I can kind of, that I was using it medicinally in these like tenser times of my life. And, and, and then I used it up until honestly a month before I left for, for, for boot camp. or I keep saying boot, I have no clue why because I'm, I'm not in the Marines though. Or, but so, so about a month on, or I guess like a month up to it, you know, like I consumed knowing that. That once we got there, they would actually like piss test you, and so like, if you failed, they would actually still do it. And and fun fun little like thing. I actually got delayed going to boot, or to basic because I failed the recruiters UA. So that was the whole. 
<laughs> All right. So, but you did eventually end up in the army. Is it the army? Yes, I did. And in you ended up in doing tours, right? You did a couple of tours. Instantly, right out of out of basic and my training, I got to Fort um, Hood and I was kind of like that dumb guy who, when the Sergeant Major was like, hey, who wants to deploy? I was like, oh, sure. Like I will. And then I realized that only like one other person raised their hand out of the group of us and and two weeks later, I was in Afghanistan, actually, and I, I didn't really even actually know what garrison was. It was actually kind of a struggle when I came back because I was like, okay, what's actually being a soldier? Because I just instantly kind of deployed. But uh, yeah, so I went directly to to Afghanistan, and then that kind of continued a cycle back again, and then to Western Africa, and then to Southeast Asia as well. So that was, so I met you on Clubhouse, and you were talking about, I think the I think the exact conversation was you were talking about standing in a field of cannabis somewhere in Afghanistan. And I was surprised. And you said to me, well, they don't go to CVS. This is how they get their medicine. (laughs) Well, this, that's the honest truth is, is, is like something that I realized I thought joining the military, I was going to like, because really at 19, you know, 18, 19, I had this decision to where in, in, in the family culture and everything that I grew up, I was either going to stay working kind of blue collar ag, or I was going to, you know, risk the laws and grow legally and hope that I made it. And I made this, you know, like decision that, okay, like I need to put down plants and cannabis and like, maybe like get a career or like a job or like education. And so that's why like I joined the military thinking I was going to like leave it all behind. And as soon as I got to Afghanistan, it was like, cannabis was thrown right in front of me. Like you said, I was just like walking through through fields of it and noting that it was kind of being used everywhere from, 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 from like mother um, to child to father everywhere because they don't have a hospital. And even as we were building them for them, they didn't have doctors to fill these hospitals. And that's actually partially what happened most recently with the, you know, this you know, huge like collapse, like sadly is, we went in there hoping that we would build all this, but there's actually nobody to staff the schools or staff the hospitals. So we, we can build it all we want, but they still have their own style of medicine. They found naturally that works for them because they haven't had buildings to go to where there was this fancy doctor that wrote a prescription and said, here, take this. And they've had this, to figure it out. And this is how humans have always lived, really. We are <laughs> living in a different way. I just, I, I keep thinking about how we think progress is linear, but I don't think it is. There are some <laughs> things that were from before that are good, some things that are now that are terrible, some things that are better, but this idea that we're always making progress and everything in the future is better than the past. I've have to, I've had to rethink this. And so how did this impact just how you saw the plant when you went to a foreign country where, I don't know if you knew anything about Afghanistan culture before you went there and you saw that they were using this plant that you had been connected to at home. Culturally, I didn't know anything really until I landed in Afghanistan and they gave me my little cultural brief, you know, like the first week and a half there, uh, you go through all these different little like classes and kind of like do's and don'ts of the area. And, and, and definitely when it comes to like how you're kind of communicating with, with, with the locals, because they definitely, I guess we all have our things that we just do and don't. But uh, so I didn't really have any idea other than kind of this odd creation of what the news is built over time, the media, and then what I could find myself, and then what past people you live with in my unit kind of were saying about about the people and everything. And I'll be honest, it was kind of I kind of went in there with this like this like caveman or mm-hmm. 
or that these were a bunch of like cavemen, you know, like mentality. And, and, and I think it was really awesome for me to see too, especially at the age that I was, because I was about, I was just coming into 20 when I was, and, and it was really kind of like a shock for me to like, like have that experience of going there and, and judging something and then being almost slapped in the face, seeing how intelligent, brilliant, and then the history of the place alone. It just like really kind of, it really sat me down and I was like, oh man, like, okay, like I'm wrong here. And you know, I'm going to learn from this. But that, and, that's inter- that is interesting. That's what you're, you're very young. You're very impressionable. It's like, it changes your experience of the entire world when you see something like that at your age and you're open to seeing it and willing yeah. to question maybe what you knew before. That's, um, yeah, that's very powerful. The military, <laughs> that's an powerful experience i imagine that you weren't expecting to have you know it was and then you like you see people literally living up on the side of a mountain that takes us days to walk up and we're dying going up it and and here's this little like goat you know like herder like mobbing up it with like 200 you know goats they're all following him and he's getting up there and they're like eating a full meal and completely like healthy and and they've like figured out everything within their their fauna like around them to keep them healthy and happy and they don't actually really leave the mountain ever it's like just where they are they don't i mean they don't even really think outside yeah yeah exactly and it's cool so actually so okay so let's come back to you so you were part of interested in farming interested in science i know that you're seeing the land in a totally different country Mm -hmm. and then you come back to america at some point (laughs) so how how did this impact your science, your path to healing? Just like where, where, what you're doing now? Because we can talk about that in about a minute. Yeah. yeah. So I guess toward, I through through all of these these experiences with the military, I did get some like bangs and bruises, and and to to be quite honest, cannabis never actually left left my body. Once I once I got kind of further enough from the military, and I got kind of I would say broken enough but kind of like to a breaking point where I was like okay you know the meds that I you know, like have aren't you know, like working and essentially just at kind of like a dead end I was like I would risk my military career right now to stay sane and stay fit than than not so about the time I went to western Africa was the time I started really kind of consuming again and I realized that instantly like like a lot of the broken things in my body were were going away and a lot of like my pains and like my mental like issues and that's when I realized I was like okay like I really want to get out of the army because Washington was about to leave or Washington had just legalized and Colorado did too and I was like I really want to be part of this like it's helped me come out of you know what I had deemed kind of a darker point and I kind of like look at it as like cannabis is like kind of always been with me and then I left it I kind of sunk for a while and then as soon as I picked it back up, I kind of raised and, and I was like, well, don't want to go back down there again. That's not a good place to be. That, that's the self-awareness I can say. So were you able to access anything besides flour? Were you able to access tinctures or cells or anything, or were you just using flour? No, mainly, mainly I was growing for myself when I was home or I was just finding local kind of like connections that sadly, you know, the legacy market, because we most know is just kind of what, you know, whatever you get. And that's partially why I started like growing for myself because I, because growing up, I never really had to buy any. So I was like, why, why like, am I right now? And, and I was living off base. So that kind of helped. So it, it was kind of a lucky situation for it all to happen. But okay, so let's kind of uh, go into what you're doing now, because I know you're very connected to the soil, you're very connected to the growing, you talk about this a lot, and that it's just so important, because I don't, I've grown my own once, I'm going to try again. Mm-hmm. I know I need a relationship with this plant, I get it. 
<laughs> so I like hearing people who talk about this in a very intelligent way, a science way. And just, this is a, yeah. a really impressive plant, right? It, it, it really is. Like that's kind of the, I guess, the joy of what like, I saw kind of in the wild was this like beautiful like variants and the broad fruits and flowers that I'd never like seen before, essentially. And, and being kind of like a farmer, I, I mean, like growing up in you know, like the Northwest, everybody kind of like grows all of their own stuff and it's a huge you know, ag like capital. So getting out, like I really started to gear towards cultivating medically for people. And were you a I've caregiver? Always... Were, you, were you designated as a caregiver growing for people? Is that what you were doing? Yes. Okay. So, so, so I guess just to give a small recap, I got out, okay. moved, moved to the North Lake coast of Oregon. What, what time, did, what, what year did you get out of the army? This is 2016. Things are starting to change a lot in Denver. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I guess you could say that Oregon had just legalized. The craze was just going on when I like drove through Portland for the first time in years. And I was like, you know, there's signs all over and it was still like, you know, like parades going on and everybody was all pumped still. Flour was super expensive because it was all exciting. But uh, yeah, so, so kind of like got in on the craze, but I really didn't want to go commercial originally. I really love the medical aspect of the plant and Oregon's medical system that allows you to either be your own grower or you can be a, be a grow site advisor and then you can wear another hat, which is where you can be a caregiver as well. Normally somebody else would put that hat on to somebody else. And commonly it was kind of like a shared hat, but uh, so I was using the medical system there and I was huge, huge on you know, soil uh, like growing up, it's kind of all I, you know, like grew in. And about that time, you know, there was a lot of like good movements going on kind of in the, like the forum area and online where everybody was kind of like on this whole living soil idea. It was kind of just kind of emerging as something that everybody should be doing. And, and I started adapting a lot of the science that I understood outside, you know, like inside. And then I was also going to school for green house management. So the, the schooling kind of helped to really gain controlling the environment and the soil. I was kind of like learning on my own until I get, get some more. So I was kind of like balancing this learning soil and caregiving or learning. Yeah. uh, Like growing and the caregiving and kind of jumping all over at once, but still trying to keep it small enough to manage. And, And I was just slowly kind of scaffolding myself through my through my like education of managing kind of in a kind of a, I guess you could say like indoor living soil you know, like environment and then also learning what the plant's doing the terpenes was like huge it was like coming out um, can, can we just go back to living soil I don't know if I yeah, know yeah, yeah, sorry you just literally explain what that means I'm like what is yeah, a living soil it's, <laughs> it's totally a, it's totally a loaded term too I mean you I guess right now you could say you have two, two like, or you have dirt and then you have what most are considering living soil. And dirt is for the most part, a bland medium with kind of amendments in it, alfalfa, calcium, and the peat. And this isn't saying that over time, dirt doesn't turn into what most are deeming living soil, but living soil is kind of a, a, a built chaotic ball, if you will, of different fungi, I like biology. You could even say pests, predators, all sorts of things. Kind of 
taking a section of your yard, if you will, and just moving it indoors and having this living, sustaining. So it's, so it's, in, it's, it's like an indoor, indoor space where you actually have it like it's outdoors because it has all the natural predator, the natural elements that would be in it. Bug exactly. Stuff. exactly. Okay. So, so you're trying then, to mimic nature and some people call it like bio, like mimicry, um, just trying to be this weird element that we can't measure yet that it's controlling everything because apparently i mean i don't again i'm like i don't i'm not a quarter, i don't grow anything but i do understand they're talking more about cannabis like wine because it, the the place where you're growing it the dirt that you're growing and that impacts the experience of it which is actually part of why yeah. it's difficult for the medicinal because it's hard to be consistent that way i mean yeah. i don't know where that comes in but the idea that you can have a chardonnay this is how my friend explains it so if a chardonnay from maybe the same region but different years it actually tastes different even though it's mm-hmm. the same location but that chardonnay tastes very different when grown across the country in a different space so it seems to be a similar thing with our plants for cannabis 100 percent, and that's like yeah. why why champagne is called a champagne essentially it's like it's literally the 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 terroir terroir that's a word yeah yeah that really makes the flavor profile the look everything like it's the it's kind of like that whole mixture of everything perfect here just does this and it's not going to do it you know because you're just not going to have everything just right to recreate that and it just kind of shows how intense i guess it goes to cultivate it or cultivating just one plant there's so many things going on whether life the pests that are attacking it the sun angle the the water yeah Water is a huge one, honestly. Yeah. So can I just ask, so, so in your perspective, so we talk a lot about, I talk, I talk of cannabis more therapeutic than medicinal. I just, that time term kind of makes more sense to me, but the idea that you're, you need some, if you find something that works for you, like for me, so they say, if you like the smell of a certain cultivar, that's probably something that's working well with your body. I know that I like the smells, like it's kind of grapey and sweet. I like that, but I know that I can get the same strain at different dispensaries in my neighborhood and they actually are a little bit different so it's hard to talk about that for something medicinal if you need something very specific so how do you talk to people who maybe do have a very specific ailment that this is such a strangely specific medicine which we talk about personalization of medicine so how do you talk to the people you're helping the people you're caregiving for about what you're growing for them and what works and doesn't work and how do you keep that consistent for them or at least within a range that helps them consistently so the way that I've found it originally when I started, I thought by getting kind of everyone's everyone's kind of background into like what they're trying to like heal and everything would work. And I could just kind of like, okay, I need this terpene, this terpene. And then like 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 we kind of noted, everybody is so unique. And the levels that we need these are very, very specific. I've actually come down to cultivating for as few as few people as possible because I've noted that, that the more personalized I can get with the plant itself, with the person, the better. So a lot of times, and and and, it, and this is where I believe cannabis is going to become more personalized like this, that almost everybody could have their own plant. But a lot of times have them, you know, give me a uh, set of like strains that they like, and then I'll find some with similar kind of like profiles and we'll grow them out and figure out which ones they specifically like. And sometimes when we're talking about seeds, oh, there's this whole theory about, about the term is DNA gardening. Oh, you okay. suck on a seed for it's nine minutes, I believe. And then you put it in water 
and allegedly the the bacteria and such on your your yeah will kind of I guess like imprint the seed to grow exactly what you would need. And there's been a few weird studies true? on this. <laughs> there's Russia's kind of big for this. I can't remember the, the the culture in Russia that kind of started it or predominantly heard it from, but it's becoming a pretty common thing. And and there's like families that do it. It's kind of neat. You, know, you see kind of on their posts how like all the like they'll do like cucumbers, right? And like all the cucumbers will be completely different and like have these crazy shapes and stuff. It's it's kind of interesting. There's something to it, I guess, because a lot of my patients do know that that and and I like I guess they note that the strains are a lot more satiating, if you will, more than they've had other places. And so I've just kind of kept doing it. Oh, this is like a very personal lock. This is a very personal long-term relationship we have with people. Like once you figure out this, like this is forever. You and yeah, well, their plant to this person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to <laughs> tell all my, you know, my patients, but like Jessica, she's been with me for a couple of years I and mean, she's worked in the industry and she even still has, you know, like access to, you know, you know like medicine and such, but I still offer her medicine because it is a lot more personalized and that's like something that she notes even being a bud tender that 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 there is still something about a habit or having it grown specifically for you or you growing it specifically yourself well that is Um, such a that's such an interesting industry i haven't really thought of it that way it's like coaching or something very personalized all right okay that's fascinating all right and you are a dad which we haven't really talked about can a dad yet but I know we're going to come back on the other side. So we have our, our can of scientist working with the land, working with the plant, working with individuals. I just find this fascinating. And across the country, this could be a person's job, like working as a horticultural caregiver who's working on this very specific plant with one person. I just, how, how much more personalized can you get, right? Well, yeah. And, and what kind of got me on this too is around the time I was really like kind of taking off my medical pro and like, and I was kind of getting more, more, more like applications than I could even do was when I was working at Oregon Coast Cannabis, which is the only dispensary within like 30 miles of the, the top of the coast of Oregon and like the center of the coast, or it's like, you know, like Tillamook area. I mean, it's a very, very nice dispensary. And I was there kind of helping craft their, their, for lack of a better term, their pharmacology of cannabis, really kind of educating the staff on like terpenes and such. Cause I was just really getting into this at the time at kind of an intense and, and, and they had, I mean, even still to this day, they, they carry between a hundred and or a hundred one and a hundred strains um, wow. from, from regenerative sustainable farms in Oregon only. And as close to the shop as possible. So it's really good flower. Wow, um, that's impressive. It really is. And it's really consistent. But even with the consistency and having this wide library, I could get people to a point where they felt good. But there was still always like, it felt like there was like something missing. And that's where on my personal side, I figured out, okay, there's not this like blanket, like plant for like everybody. And it's not and it, it I really truthfully believe it will come to a point where there's just kind of one plant for every for for each person and I love it's that. slowly that's, happening that's very like that's very american it's like we all have our own plants well <laughs> but it's good well, for we us. each have this this like our own experiences and our own yeah. issues and and our you know cannabinoid like systems are so um unique to each other like like david was talking his son one of the weird parts i guess about you know, like autism is it falls it falls into the the class of like diseases that shows that 
there's a lack in the endocannabinoid lake system. And, and, and there might be a way to use cannabis to, you know, rebalance these issues. Um, that's it's the exciting part that's why we just don't know enough it's just like a huge industry i just there's so many things to talk about all right so we will be back on the other side with my guest matt ryan our very first candidate and we're going to check in with him after this talk with beryl solomon founder of poplar your modern drugstore retail and bread strategist welcome thanks for joining us from new york city right yeah from new york yep and and the thing about New York, they're going to be the center of cannabis soon because we had Massachusetts here in New England, but New York's going to overrun us. So just <laughs> tell me about you're in the CBD world and you know what you're doing and where you're going. Yeah, totally. So um, in 2018, I founded Poplar. We were really the first multi-brand retailer selling uh, CBD online. The story sort of goes, I guess my my own personal urban legend goes that in 2016 and 2017, I added cannabis to my health and wellness routine and decreased my pharmaceutical anti-anxiety meds. I am a mom, have had a career before cannabis that was in fashion and retail, um, a New Yorker. I think they say you're, you can call yourself a New Yorker when you live here for 10 years. So, and total type A personality. And I had a conversation with my doctor and I said, what's a natural alternative to my anti-anxiety pharmaceuticals? And I've always been into clean beauty, even before it really was a movement, et cetera. And my first doctor laughed at me and told me, we don't really recommend women like you go off their anti-anxiety meds. Needless to say, I never saw that doctor again. You actually said those words out loud? Yes. Yes. Women women like you. Okay, again. And I was like, you mean awesome people? No, I'm just kidding. Exceptional uh, human beings who are doing everything? All right. I was like, (laughs) uh, see you never. And then I embarked on my own journey to find people who would have the conversation with me. And fast forward, I added cannabis, which I'm a big believer that it includes both CBD and THC and all the other cannabinoids in between many of which we don't even know about. Yeah. And so I was like, forget fashion. This is my calling. I want, this is what I want to do. And of course my family almost threw up. My husband was like, you're going to walk. My father was like, I'm sorry. I thought we like, didn't talk about my mother thinks I'm in a drug cartel and she's been on my oh. show. So yeah, we're good. We're there, down. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, I feel like that would actually be me getting somewhere if I was on a drug cartel. Cause then they would think like, Oh my God, there's this money and this thing. They just think I like sit at my computer and talk to myself. So, which is also true. Um, so anyways, I, it worked. I added cannabis to my health and wellness routine. It was awesome. I felt that there was a big opportunity, well, in general in cannabis, but specifically talking to women like me, uh, right? So women who maybe haven't touched it since college or even in college were like, yeah, that's not our thing. Like that's dirty. That's what stoners do. Yeah, stoners aren't going anywhere. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was so yes. wrong. Exactly. You're <laughs> like, God, the stoners had it all figured out. They um, did. Right? They do. Yeah, totally. They do. Exactly. So yeah, so that that was the impetus. I wanted to, instead of waiting for legalization to come to New York, which it's a good thing I didn't because here we are three years later and it's finally starting to move. And we will be the cannabis capital of the country and hopefully the world, but it's going to take a lot of time. So we started with a multi-brand marketplace selling the best brands in CBD. So we do all the vetting to ensure that what you're buying really give priority from a shelf space perspective to women and BIPOC founded companies, sell a lot of amazing products, really have refined the over the past couple of years. And one of the things that really I believe makes us different is that it's not about 
throwing every single tincture you can on a website and trying to make it sell. It's okay, how can you really curate this assortment to make it really easy to understand for people who may still be afraid even of CBD? And hopefully all those people will be our customers when we are finally able to transition into THC. Um, I mean, I just, I love, I mean, the the tinctures, the salves, the patches, all the things that are sort of available, you do have limited options, which are quality options. I talk a lot about how you, at this point, you almost need to know who's growing your hemp. I, I mean, that's not even a joke. No, uh, and and that if you want to use these products, don't buy it at the uh, gas station. Gas station, and, gas can, station, and don't think yeah. it doesn't work if you're not using it correctly. So, are you also doing that, working with the education? Because I hear all the women are talking about education, education, education. People are like, I took a drop last week and it didn't work. So, how I, are you working with yes. people? I'm a big analogy person because I feel like cannabis can be super confusing, and many cannabis educators, I believe are sort of talking in the echo chamber of terminology that you you need to understand. And of course, we try to explain to people what an endocannabinoid system is. But at the end of the day, you know, people are busy. They only have time for so much information. So I say it's like eating healthy. If you eat a salad one day, are you like, oh my gosh, I lost 20 pounds and I feel amazing. Like, no, you have to eat a salad or a healthy balanced meal every day for 20, 30, 60 days, and then you will feel better. Like, it's just true, right? And so I say the same thing about cannabis. Listen, it's not a magic bullet. If it was, you know, I don't even know. It's not, but it does work, right? And when you have, you know, experts like Matt and like Ryan and people who are like really trying to massage and nuance it, there is a whole group of people who want that, but there are people who also just need those basics. So kind of being like, treat it like a salad. It's preventative. It's preventative care. It's taking care of yourself. It's self-care, all of those pieces. And that's what we try to do in Poplar within the realm that we can do it. So right now we talk about CBD. We have some other amazing products that have CBG and CBN. CBN. Yeah. So, uh, so, okay. So just one more question. So I have discovered CBN. This has made a huge difference in my life. I have never been a particularly good sleeper. I thought that's just the way I would be for the rest of my life because I didn't want to take Benadryl anymore. I didn't want to take, I just didn't want to take any more medications that help me sleep. The CBN, I don't understand it. I don't know why it works, but it appears to really work. And I've been taking it very consistently for about two months now. So women coming to you for that, is that something? And I just know there's so many other things out there now that are being discovered almost daily. Again, people, if someone says they're an expert, they're lying. This thing is evolving so quickly. So what else are you seeing out there that women need or are looking for? So a lot of, so I'm 41, so I am not at a menopause stage yet. However, one of the things that I think, again, differentiates Poplar from some other sites is we're, we certainly want to cater to millennials because millennials now are in their thirties and have kids and are my target customer, but we're also sort of like the generation that could be my big sister, if you will. And so menopause is a big conversation and the use of cannabis and cannabinoids and different cocktails, if you will, on the cannabis side, not the alcohol side, to help with menopause. And we already are having the endometriosis conversation and the painful period conversation. I feel like because of the generational ability to have those conversations more fluidly, it it started younger. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. Again, hopefully by the time I start having menopause symptoms, it will really be something that we'll be able to focus on. I think that has the opportunity to be like a home run when you talk about sort of our in quotes demographic. That is just, again, yes, we don't have to feel shitty. (laughs) 
<laughs> just it's yes <laughs> and don't listen no offense to like any white men listening but don't listen to white male doctors who tell you that like that's just not it's just not, not necessary the truth. yeah all it's right so truth. Beryl thank you so much for joining us again so if people want to reach out to you and connect with your store what is the best way to find you and do you have anything special going on for the holidays Oh my gosh, we have so many special things going on for the holidays. Definitely visit our website. We keep it refreshed and updated with new products, exclusive offerings, gifts with purchase. So our website is www.shop-poplar.com. So shop-poplar. Follow us on Instagram, which is at poplar underscore New York. And also feel free to hit me up personally. We're a super small team. I'm very hands-on. I answer a ton of questions about people who are pregnant, thinking about getting pregnant, going through menopause, children, can I give this to my kids? I am not an expert. What I do is help source people who know a lot about niches of the cannabis space. And I love adding more people to that sort of roster so I can continue to spread information as we get it. Because like you said, there are no... 100% experts. It's about joining the community and knowing you have a trusted place to ask more questions. Lordy Lord. Yes. So the connections, the community, she's all about it. So reach out to her. All that stuff will be in the show notes because that's what we do. Thank you so much for joining us today, Beryl. So happy to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Joyce. Happy holidays, everyone. You too. All right. So we are back with Matt Ryan. Let's see. Before we finish, let's talk a little bit about your Canadadding. Like, I don't really talk about this. I don't know if there's a stigma out there. And then maybe we can just talk a little bit, maybe if you have any hints, growing hints for people at the very end. So talk a little bit about your Canada adding, what the experience has been. Totally. Honestly, it's been a blast. My daughter, like I said, Kansas has kind of never left me. And it's kind of odd. My daughter was even born on 420. So it's kind of just <laughs> Get like, out. totally. And, and she was uh, what, what a lot of us up in the Northwest, I think it's becoming a common term, but. She was a green baby. Her mother did use cannabis, pregnancy, and also breastfeeding controlled. We're obviously a bunch of citizen scientists, so we're very, and luckily with kind of the, kind of the access like terpenes and test results in general, we're really able to like hone in and almost kind of like uh, perfectly dose to she needed and like nothing more. Um, now, how old are you, how old's your daughter now? She's four, uh, she's four now. And you've um, enjoyed it. Have you enjoyed her the whole four years? <laughs> oh, one, 100%. She's been a, a blast. Um, awesome. And, and she's in that fun, uh, yeah. like going f- from kind of just being to an actual human now, you know, like a human being. And it's like, oh, wow, like you're alive and real and you're like doing your own things. And so, 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 my, so, my, so my experience as a mom was that we, I did not consume. I had a couple of moms who like would consume and we'd go far away, smoke our pot and talk about it. So I, I there was a stigma, a huge stigma, which we're still talking about. Do you find there's a stigma where you are? Does anybody judge you for how you live? Are there, I mean, you don't hang out with those people, but is that a, a mindset? <laughs> you know, honestly, there's not a stigma in the Northwest, it seems. There might be in, in certain areas, but I mean, we honestly, the mother of my child attempted uh, to not use cannabis in the beginning because she was worried that there is no research. It's not that she was worried about cannabis. It's just that we don't know good or bad, but she was also in the military and she also has enough you know, ailments that it just wasn't really doable in her body. Really, it came down to the doctor saying that your body is either going to care about itself or you need to do something to keep your baby around. And she, you know, our midwife at the time had like hinted like, hey, cannabis is used. I'm not saying do it, but you know, it works. And 
And we did and, and really didn't look back. I mean, the morning like sickness went away, a lot of the like normal like pains. And I think it was, it seemed a lot more pleasurable than people that didn't have yeah, I just, I mean, I was, so my, so my pregnancy story, I was pregnant my third year of law school. I was freakishly stressed out. I thought I had a tumor. I didn't know I was pregnant. I was just stupid, <laughs> but I had a lot of stress and I'm sure that was not good for my son. And he, mm. so when people talk about like this idea that using cannabis is dangerous, all I can think of is the reverse is that if I had not been such a stressed person, all of that would not have been going into him at the time. And the idea that a mom can feel, won't, feel the anxiety and doesn't feel that and isn't passing it along i think that's a miracle honestly so i hope this becomes more of a it's just normalized because again we don't have to feel bad all the time i don't know why women think we have to feel bad all the time it's like we're martyrs yeah, no it's it's true well i like to throw this in there because when it comes to women i think it's really important in the prenatal stage like i i, I a huge psychology buff. When I was in the military, I was kind of abusing as many like benefits as I could. And I was going to school for free and I was big into psychology then. And that was, I guess, my degree. And uh, one of the big things that like abnormal psych is really trying to like teach right now is like, there's really nothing normal, but there are things that we can mitigate. And one of the papers that I wrote was specifically on autism in the prenatal stages. And through all the meta-analysis that we're doing right now, and I'm bringing this up because in the beginning, you guys were talking about right. is, is that vaccinations aren't a statistical, like there's no link anywhere. But what there is, is things like stress, trauma, sickness. And then there was one more, I can't remember. But there's, you know, a couple of things that, that, that do have high you know, causalities to maybe cause you know, autism prenatally, which then like, it's a pretty big issue right now. I think, or well, it's kind of a big, it's sort of a big issue. But I mean, when we're talking about keeping mothers like, healthy and you look at what like, you know, cannabis does. And when one of the things is like stress on the womb, especially uh, like tension, why wouldn't you use cannabis? I mean, it, 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 it really, it, it relaxes everything. And if you are worried about things like hurting your baby, you know, it seems like it, it would help, I guess, is my whole point. That's, that, that's what yeah. I think too. Not that I'm a doctor. Okay. So, and just one more question. Do you have any good tips for people with your living soil? <laughs> they're going to start growing. What do you tell people if they want to start personalizing their plants? Is there anything you can give us little tips? I think the consumption wise, one thing I like to know is really focus on your terpenes. I, I wish I would have known more on that, but the terpenes are really what makes a large difference in the immediate kind of effects. And there is, it seem, it seemingly that there is a correlation between things that you like and don't like and things that you need. And that's kind of like showing in like cannabis, like terpenes. Like if you normally don't like oranges, you're probably not going to like a really orangey strain. That's just True. kind of the way it is. It's actually a Valencia um, terpene, isn't it? Yeah. Valencine. <laughs> Valencine yeah. actually is one, man, I, I'm not a fan of Valencine. And, and that's why I bring up oranges because the whole like balancing and, and when you really get into them, it gets kind of intense because the people are like, oh, well, I like pining. Well, there's two different sides of like pining and they do completely different things. And it's like, I love beta pining, but I don't like alpha pining. Alpha pining gives me kind of a little bit of a, like a racy kind of too focused of effect. But when you look at the research behind it, you're like, okay, like this makes sense because of what it's doing. And so like really look at you know, like terpenes and like terpene results when you're, when you're okay. well, so strains. Just, strain, strain, yeah. yeah. And then another one too, I just like to throw out like a couple people like Dr. Miyagi Shields. She's an amazing source of, of I guess, like endocannabinoid um, medicine. 
So is Dr. Rachel Knox. Dr. Oh, she's going to be, yeah, she's going to be on the show and uh, she's brilliant. Um, that woman is brilliant. Amazing. I work with her. I didn't get into like, everything I did, but I worked yeah, with yeah. her at the state uh, level on the Oregon uh, Cannabis Commission. So she's an amazing human being. And honestly, she's at, out of everybody in the country. She's helped design one of the best framework legalizations for the country to go forward. And I hope she talks about that at some point. And, and she does. And the thing is she, she talks about this in a very different way. Again, a whole uh, different specifically, way. I mean, black women in this industry are approaching this in a very different way. And they talk about, she talks about specifically cannabis health equity and using social mm-hmm. equity to, as a vehicle to get there. And this idea that a whole society we're sort of unbalanced across the board, very sick. And there's very, this is a way to sort of rebalance us. I just, I, I not actually heard anybody use social equity as a health equity issue, but it just, once you hear her say it, and once she talks about it, it's just, it all, it just falls into place. It makes so much sense. It may, it does, because when you look at who's using it, you're like, okay, this isn't your like 19 year old kid. who's like super like healthy and like happy. It's like, it's a very specific demographic. And when you break it down, the people that are trying to profit are not the same people that need it. And so, yeah, she's, yeah, there she's, we are. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing job. And, and, and Shaping Fire is another like podcast that, you know, like Dr. Lady from like Bruce goes on. Shangalos is a medical grower from, from Washington and he's had years of experience and his podcast is fantastic for um, people trying to medically grow or, or, or find medical knowledge because he brings on a lot of like good um, you know, people, but because he's kind of like hands-on with the caregiving at a larger scale, I like to put him out there because um, he's doing it kind of on, you know, an island, and he's he's doing a really good job. He's doing. Really I think the people who are getting a lot of publicity maybe aren't doing the best work because to do the work it takes a lot of time and to get public. It's a different skill set. But all right, it, it really I, I could talk to you forever, but I gotta so. wrap this up. All right, so what is the best way to reach you? People want to get in touch with you, find out what you're doing, connect with you. What's the best way to reach you, Matt? Probably my Instagram at gnarly roots, gnarly dot roots, or if you're you know, like open for email, gnarly dot root dot cultivation at gmail.com and i'm open to talk about and share you know research on terpenes growing like anything I'm and, 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 and candidating because we don't talk about yes. that much all in the show notes because that's what we do so thank you matt thank you beryl for joining us today another insightful and healing conversation right dave absolutely <clears throat> absolutely it. all right so for today for my guest and my cannabro david jazz and our cannamom show team I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to The Cannamom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can story at a time. Thank you for following and sharing and reviewing all the inspiring can stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregiving. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is The Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi. 
Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.